Welcome, everybody. This is Culture and Conviction. So excited that you tuned in. You know, every time we get on the microphone, you just never know what's going to happen, right? I think that is, it's like the kid with the Cracker Jack box. You know, you, you shake it open, you, you eat as much as you can to get to the bottom. And sometimes you're like, great. <laughs> Other times you're like, I got this already. Um, <laughs> but wow. you understand. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. Anyway, I don't either. we're just so That's glad. That's the funny thing about it. And well, I, know very you. Random. I know you. I live with you. It was very random. That's okay. Just ignore it's me. All it good. was random. It is all good. So we're well into 2020. And um, one of the things that, you know, you and I, we joked about last podcast was, was this idea that everybody's talking about vision 2020. And, you know, one of the things that I just in, in listening to the media and being on Twitter and get off Twitter, um, you see a lot of division. And I think, you know, unfortunately for us, you know, that's kind of what this year is going to look like. There's going to be a lot of dividing lines, mm-hmm. um, a lot of decision points for, for us to to uh, kind of pick and choose where we're going to land. But I, I kind of want to, you know, the next couple of podcasts, if, if, if we should feel led to do that, is to really talk about division, I think, in a, in a very sober a very sober way. I don't want to oh, get out in front like I'm talking about, you know, no labels. We should all just be one people. And that's true. Labels are useful, though. They kind of they they help us to identify where we are on the map. And no that's that's not that. a problem. Mm-hmm. OK, you know that I'm a Texan or, you know, that somebody else is, you know, from Mississippi. So labels yes. work. Um, but I, I think to the great to the on a larger scale, I think especially in politics, the idea that we mm-hmm. we've started to see a lot of. Um, divisions and sex and and small parcels of this and that absolutely that you know it becomes almost kind of confusing surely we have a few things that we agree on (laughs) that we don't necessarily have to draw the line right there seriously Um, so that's what we're gonna be discussing and you know I want to start off talking about the second amendment rally um in Virginia Mm. in Richmond Virginia this was a a big deal um Mainly because it's a very big deal. Main, some. Mainly because there's something about Second Amendment. When you say that, it, it's you almost elicit a visceral response sometimes from people. And I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't. I don't understand why it should elicit such a response from people. I have no idea. I mean, ultimately, I think any of us would say, "I appreciate living in a country that says I have a right to defend my my person, my property." Yes. Right. Pretty simple. <laughs> It's a very simple concept. It hadn't really worked out well for those nations that don't allow for people to protect themselves that nah, way. Not at all. And give them that freedom. Not right? at all. You know, and that's why I don't understand. Like I said, I don't understand how people get so worked up about it. Once again, a gun is an inanimate object. Say it that again. It's Say an that again. Inanimate object. It has no feelings. It has no thoughts. It has no. It has no desires. It has no wants. No wishes. It doesn't just jump off the no, shelf and no. begin shooting. It is not killing people. Wow. It is not hurting people. It is not doing anything. That's a revelation. Right? I don't you know. know. And, and it is just something by which we use in a free society, a self-governing society. It's a part of, it's a part of the American experiment. Mm-hmm, right? right? Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. That's what this country Definitely. really is. That, okay, we're going to be self-governing. We're going to be a, a nation that, that is of laws and not of men. And therefore... In order for that to be done, we're going to have to allow for people to have the right to defend themselves. That's right. Right? And in contrary to popular belief, let me just go ahead and put this out there before you really get started and dig into this thing that happened in Virginia. You know, owning a gun is not about hunting. This is not about deer <laughs> and, and, and game. Okay, it's wonderful to go hunt. That's, mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing. I'm not against hunting. But that's not really what it's about. It's about the tendency in human beings Correct. to want to domineer other human beings. Absolutely. And if we're going to have a free society, it's about giving everyone the ability by which to, to defend themselves against an attempt at tyranny. Keeps the playing field, you know, level. Exactly. Right. So when that man walks into your church and he pulls out that gun and he shoots one of your parishioners Thank point you. blank. If you have enough time to react, you can then shoot him squarely in his forehead. It is it is putting good people in a better position against crazy. Absolutely. And it's putting citizens in a good position to defend their liberty. 
and uh and we have to we have to come to grips with that like that's and that's why i say i don't understand and maybe it's the way people are kind of orientated to the second amendment how they feel about it from where they come from or whether they they don't i don't know i mean where but, from where the but but that's the issue right that they've taken it's almost like it's a it's a buzzword when you when you when you hear when you hear second amendment then people assume that they know a lot about it or they yeah. assume they put certain pictures you know they picture white nationalists they mm -hmm. picture the kkk they picture all of these things and it's like no the, praise god for the second amendment because at the end Absolutely, of the day when man. blacks were carrying guns during the civil rights push yes i'm, I'm sure many alive <laughs> many yes. a de-escalation of situations <laughs> took place Absolutely, simply by man. being able to pull out that firearm so there's um there's certainly a lot to be said but but in particular this virginia rally um, the the governor there had come out and said, "Look, uh, I, I think there I need to declare a state of emergency. Right? Yeah. I'm really concerned about this because the Democrats have well, I don't know if they won both houses or if Mike Bloomberg put enough money in the tank to kind of swing the election. <laughs> but either way, you know what I mean? They're holding both houses there in Virginia, uh, and Governor Northam is has you know obviously we know a little bit about him, right? Mm -hmm. This is." This is blackface. Yeah. Right? This is KKK costume. My goodness. This is a mea culpa no, that so, had so to come in. So the guy who is wearing KKK costumes is afraid of a white nationalist upheaval and uproar. <laughs> That's amazing, right? I mean, this is America in 2020, man. Living on our heads. <laughs> Living on our heads. I mean, I'm serious. Though. I mean, think about it. Think about it. And mm -hmm. this is... And, and look, I don't want to I don't want to knock you off of where you're going. Oh, I want good. you to start because see, I could just keep going on and on. Go no, ahead. no, no, that's fine. I was just going to say that obviously the, here's a man who was, you know, enraptured in scandal. And I, I want to say this was early 2019, January, February, February 2019, when the photo came out. Yeah. And then it was that's not me. And nobody could corroborate that it was him because suddenly now pictures are not able to be valid verification of of whether or not someone was present now you know i'm sure we have to get out csi and we've got to <laughs> come up with a thousand pieces of evidence before we can settle uh on an easy you know like yeah that's him okay yeah. um so he had come out and and of course had given his mea culpa and and really you know people have have said that part of the policies that that he's been pursuing have been basically to get him ingratiated back into democratic fold right because the democrats had come out of the democratic party there in, in virginia had come out originally and said that you know we want him to be removed well they have to they have to distance themselves right because yeah. we're the party of diversity what are sure. we talking about sure and so then you know they were like well we can do you know justin fairfax which is a lieutenant governor black man um you know we'll make him governor right because that, that'll be good that's good press he's a black guy uh that's until there were two accusers saying that he had sexually assaulted them at some point so okay check that box guess can't do that um then they moved to the attorney general who came out and said look let me go ahead and put it out on the table i too wore blackface when i was like 19. Scratch him off the list. I mean, so there's just very little to choose from there in Virginia wow. that doesn't have some type of scar or issue or skeleton mm. that would be prohibitive, right? And of yeah. course, if they were to go all the way down the list, I think the next guy in, in line um, was a Republican. So yeah, we ain't doing that. Um, <laughs> So we'll just keep you. That's what we'll, you call we'll, a rock and a hard There place, you go. Man. We'll just wow. keep So he was talking about fortuitous. I mean, this was great. It's like, what's my scandal compared to sexual assault? Compared to him even. I mean, he came out and said that he was in blackface. I mean, at least I tried to just ignore it, act like it never happened. Yeah. Um, so Governor Northam is still there, and he's um, busy really pushing a progressive democratic agenda right he wants to decriminalize marijuana he he wants to go into your home and know exactly what gun you have on the shelf because you have to register that firearm um oh my goodness. just a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we've all kind of come to expect from very progressive policies and so um people get together they say well we don't like this i think there's a hundred counties in virginia who've said you know we're going to be sanctuary cities for the second amendment law mm -hmm. um because we don't believe that it uh that it runs uh, parallel with the Second Amendment, that obviously sure. there's an issue. Mm -hmm. So the question becomes, you know, why is there a need to declare a state of emergency for a rally? I mean, people rally all the time. 
that's part of our First Amendment and our ability to get together and peaceably protest and do what we feel like is, is in the best interest or to basically communicate with those that we've elected that this is what we disagree with or this is what we agree with. Yeah. So he comes out, he, he says that, and then a reporter, I think, from NBC News uh, sends out a tweet that basically says, you know, guys, be on the lookout for white nationalists. I mean, this is going to be a this is going to be crazy. I mean, this event is just going to be this is going to be Charlottesville all over again. You know, hide the women and children. This is going to be crazy. Um, obviously, you can imagine that in the world of Twitter, there were no, <laughs> oh, <laughs> there was, gosh. there was, there was so much humor. I, I can't encapsulate it all. But people understand when the the con is is being oh, you yeah. know worked right. It's like oh, how do you yeah. how do you know that white nationalists are going to be there? How do you know? Okay. Yeah. And so I, I've seen a couple of interviews, you know, blacks, Latinos who happen to be there, and and all they're saying is. I'm going to protect my second amendment, right? I'm not Absolutely, trying to cause no man. issues. I'm not trying to that's it. you know, nobody's here trying to be uh to um, un- the government. Yeah, that's not why we're here. We're here just simply to say we support the second amendment. And what's wrong with that? Cuz it's constitutionally that I mean, that's codified. That Absolutely. Um, that's what's given I'm good. To me. That's right. No doubt. So you know, part of my issue with the with the whole thing was was simply this, that politics and politicians obviously just really don't care what they have to do to to save face, right? Because part of Mr. Northam's agenda is not, you know, trying to be progressive as much as it is trying to be popular within his own ranks, right? To be a Democrat that, man, he's, look at Governor Northam. He's he's stepping out, he's pushing, he's doing, I mean, I'm telling you. But really, what does it say about the people of Virginia who have really sat back and allowed um, for him to still be there. And then for them to go out and give him, you know, both houses to now go and push whatever crazy agenda he has. So I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happened. Obviously a lot of money probably was pumped into Virginia um, to, to really make that a a possibility, but there were 22,000 people I think there at the rally. So I think it really speaks strongly for, for people's, um, you know, that people are awake and aware and, and ultimately, you know, trying to make it a Trump rally per se is <laughs> has nothing to do with Donald Trump as much as it does that the Constitution says I have a right to have my firearm. And I don't want to tell you that I have my firearm. That kind of defeats the purpose. You know what I mean? <laughs> when I have to put it in a registered database and act like the government is going to keep it safe. Yeah. Really? Really? It's ridiculous, you know, and uh, and I think you've laid out just a, a wonderful case about it because, once again, we are so, I mean, bound politically right now by all of this, this uh, these attempts at, at these politicians trying to weasel their way into the better graces of their party or whatever. I mean, people they do this on both sides. Sure, to a great degree. no doubt, no doubt. You know what it. I mean? Mm-hmm. And and the people suffer as a result of it. And this is why any demonstrations that are peaceful like this, anytime people gather together, uh, I think it's a good thing because it communicates back to the body politic that, look, we know what what this is all about. We know who we are. We Mm -hmm. know what we want. And we're not sitting around listening to you. I mean, this man declares a state of an emergency, right? And once again, like I said earlier, we're talking about someone who in the past has been in blackface and dressed up in KKK and he's talking about white nationalists and he's talking about fear of them and doing something or trying to storm the Capitol or or whatever. And it's, it speaks, like I said, to the derangement of this time because we are so people don't even, it's like, it's like, dude, you don't even want to be what you are. You're you're like, you're, (laughs) you're scared of, you know, I'm serious. It's kind of like you're, there is a serious, serious psychological split going on in people's heads mm-hmm. because they're trying to distance themselves from things for career purposes. Yeah, everybody has an, an alter ego. Yeah. It's amazing. Then, <laughs> I mean, everybody's playing to so many different ends that self is getting lost in the middle of it, mm-hmm. right? And so kudos to the people who showed up, man. Kudos to the people going out there, you know, celebrating their Second Amendment rights because once again, as I said, it is a very 
very important component of a free society. If people do not have the freedom and the right to protect themselves and to be uh, and to express their 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 pride over being able to do so, mm-hmm. then what do we have? You know, I think kudos really go to Governor Northam. I mean, he came out and said that you know they were able to de-escalate the situation <laughs> situations that we know not of that did not escalate. Um, in the, you have to have something escalate. But I think that's amazing that he was able to de-escalate things. And I mean, I'm telling you, he's working for Virginians, and uh, I want to also thank <laughs> the folks who were out there at the rally who decided to pick up trash and you know leave the place the way they found it, which is also an amazing feet because that doesn't always happen um when other groups get together i'm just saying yeah and they so. were i mean so they de-escalated some very tidy people i'm telling you they, they were rough. these people who actually rough. picked up trash and actually behaved themselves uh, cordially but one of the uh one of the the gentlemen out there at the rally he said something i was watching a video and i thought man that's that's it but he said this is not about this is not about governor northam or um, you know, Democrat versus Republican. This is about unity. And this is about people coming together for that commonality, which is that we, we all, and this was a black gentleman, that we all believe that our Second Amendment should be protected. And I think, you know, just as I started the program, that this idea of division 2020 is something that really has to be addressed. And it has to be, um, we have to come up with some type of method and, and means by which we're going to piece the country back together. And we can't do that when everybody wants to label and to um, throw out aspersions in reference to any type of civil disobedience or um, any type of grouping or pairing that they see together. That every, you know, if you're at that Second Amendment rally, you're a white nationalist. Um, if you're um, if you're a conservative, then there's other groups that they call you, you know what I mean? Oh, if yeah. you're a Christian conservative, then oh my gosh, you not only believe in the Constitution, but you want us to believe in Jesus too. Um, so I think just overall, the country really has to come to grips with with this issue. And it's not it's not black or white. It's really not. And, and we've talked about this here in our home, that it's, it's about those who have the power of influence, those who have the power of self-promotion and a prom- and a promulgation of ideas that we all know a lot of times it's like what what are we talking about mm-hmm. um but but they hold the microphone and they're able to go out of their way to create narratives that a lot of people unwittingly um fully believe and so we don't think we have anything in common it's like in, uh, no I'm I'm black and you're white so obviously we have nothing in common um, and and that's the that's really the disconnect I think for for so many Americans across the country that we have we've chosen to believe the sound bites, to believe the two minute you know broadcast that we just saw, um, as opposed to really thinking about the fact that well wait a minute I go to work with people who don't look like me I laugh with people who don't look like me mm-hmm. we talk about our kids and sports and whatever and so many people are a success because of people that don't look like them absolutely uh, absolutely many people who don't look like them um, other people who are patronizing their businesses who are partaking of their entertainment who That's are buying their music correct. who are watching their movies who who are putting posters of of, of them on their walls I mean the world is surround. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. That's right. I mean, it that's is, true. It is round, and and we've got to, we've got to pull out of this because, you know, one of the things that, that is so crazy is, like we were talking about earlier, and we're going to get into talking about more is all of these subgroups is how, the division that is going on now is, it's not only interracial, across racial boundaries, mm-hmm. it's intraracial. It's not only across political lines. It's within the same political parties and affiliations. It's not only across gender. It's within the same gender. (laughs) I mean, everybody, I'm serious. Everybody is splitting. It's true. They're splitting what is split and they're splitting it again. That's right. And everybody seems to be trying to jockey for that place of cultural and social leverage. You can't just be a woman. You have to be a feminist. Yeah. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, finding that place of cultural and social leverage by which you can now uh, take the moral high ground right. in anything and mm-hmm. be able to berate the other side. Right. And everybody keeps looking for that high ground. It's almost like everybody's running from this rising flood. 
right? Mm -hmm. That they know is coming. <laughs> so we start cutting with everything we can to try to everybody get to that, that higher moral ground. But at the end of the day, uh, being a Christian person, like I said, it, everything revolves around what we choose to do with Jesus and what the Bible says. Yeah. And once we part from that, this is what you get. I'm telling you. Right? This is all of the craziness that you run into. And this is why you can't keep up with it. You're no, like, you what, what are you? You're LGBTQ, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. I don't know. Exactly, man. And then you're demanding to be labeled yeah. that and called that. And, 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 that's, and you better not leave the cue off. And not only that, <laughs> but you're going to tell me what rights and, and privileges should be made available to you because of that label. Yes. You know what I mean? You're a yes. climate. I'm a climate change denier and, and you believe in climate change and all of it being <laughs> used as a means to twist arms. Absolutely. As a means of the use of power Absolutely. to influence something to be be tilted in one group's favor. So true. And uh, that vying for power in a society is really our problem. Like you said, it's not the black and white. It's power. It's power. It's everybody's after yeah. the lever. That's everybody's true. after the control button. Everybody's after the cockpit. And if and if and if we don't get to a point to where, like I said, we allow ourselves as a nation to be a nation of laws and not of men, mm -hmm. a nation of higher laws coming from a higher source That's and correct. not of our own. That's correct. And let let God's laws pilot the ship. Mm -hmm. We're going to be fighting over that cockpit and the plane's going down. I know. Nobody even notices. Yeah. <laughs> Too mean, busy kicking each other in the face. We've dropped a thousand feet. And everybody's still. Everybody's <laughs> the still. The buzzer's fighting. going off. Beep, beep. Yeah. And everybody's like, no. I'm what telling you, man, oxygen's falling from the ceiling. And every, <laughs> it's a panic. But everybody's constantly fighting over the cockpit of the plane. But the plane's going down because there's only one qualified to fly it. And that's why I say for, for all of us, uh, Christian people are even divided. I mean, recently, the, the story of the Methodist church being split on same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. And, and these, all of these little splits, like I say, they're indicative of a, of a fight over identity and a fight over power and leverage in our society. Correct. And uh, at some point, we have to allow ourselves to think outside of power mm -hmm. and start to think about what we do hold in common, who we are as a, as a, as a, a nation of people, and, and really who we want to be, what we're going to be. So one of the new splinterings that I came <laughs> that I ran across is is an organization called ADOS and they uh they are the American descendants of slaves. And an interesting thing because, you know, ultimately we've always or I can't say we've always, but but when you think about it, black people have been thought of as as homogeneous, right? That we all vote Democrat, that we all eat sure. fried chicken, that we all eat watermelon, you know, we're just all the same. And uh, this new group has come out and they, they have a couple of things that they're really concerned about. Mainly it's been the wealth gap, right? This idea that, that descendants of slaves were put at a disadvantage because obviously the wealth of America was in part because of the transatlantic slave trade uh, and all of the things that happened um, during that time period. So, I just kind of thought it was interesting because ultimately what they've chosen to do is kind of be an agitator to black people, right? That I think someone, an ADOS, uh, an ADOS supporter had come out wearing a, a Trump hat and uh, a MAGA hat. And so of course that kicked a lot of dirt around. Um, I, again, this is, goes back to what we've been talking about, this, this idea of just a number of subgroups. And what's interesting about them is they're, they don't really support immigration. I mean, obviously, illegal immigration is kind of like, you know, you're taking away jobs yeah. from Americans, black Americans in particular. Um, this idea that they don't really support Trump, but they're not really against Trump. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just want to get Democrats to come on board with reparations, which, you know, long conversation. We can get into that later, but yeah, yeah it's just not going to happen, people. <laughs> I mean, just because we have 23 and me does not mean that all of a sudden we're going to go person by person, oh, gosh, start handing us. out checks. I'm just, you help know, us. we're not going to do it. It can't help be us. done. And it certainly can't be done in a way that actually makes any sense. I mean, do you get disqualified if, if your uh, ancestors also owned a slave? Yeah. You know, does it matter if that slave was a slave in the field or an indentured servant in the house? Yeah. I mean, how are we going <laughs> to... 
it just creates a world of just it's I don't logistically know. Yeah, impossible. I don't know. Just anyway, so just I, we're leave gonna it alone. <laughs> we're gonna play this video <laughs> about ADOS, then we'll come back and talk about it. And that's where the ADOS movement comes in. The ADOS movement is a group of persons who seek to position African American people, Black American people, who are descendants of American slaves, and out of that lineage in a self-aware group that has a specific justice claim due to the inherited disadvantage of slavery, Jim Crow, convict leasing, mass incarceration, redlining, and finally, immigration. American descendants of slaves feel that uh, reparations are the key policy prescription and remedy. Amos Jones thinks that if the U.S. government had dealt with the country's newly freed slaves properly, the black American community would look much different than it does today from an economic standpoint. Instead, he feels discriminatory race-based laws and policies position black America as a permanent underclass, and something needs to be done about that now. We're making that claim now because we're getting to a dire point here. As of the, what we see on the horizon, a $70 trillion wealth transfer from baby boomers to their issue, we know that we're living a reflection wealth-wise of our grandparents. And if your grandparents were in a Jim Crow ghetto, which all black Americans were with few exceptions in this country due to those policies that we just discussed, then we're gonna be in a world of trouble and we will have nothing and, and be nothing and we will never be able to climb out. And that's not fair because we built the country for free. So interesting, right? That. <clears throat> You know, they, they talk about building the country for free. And, and I am not going to belittle, um, obviously, the, the issues that plagued America um, surrounding slavery. But I do want to make sure that we understand that there are a lot of groups who came here um, voluntarily and involuntarily that found themselves here that helped to build America. And I think when we when we talk in terms of his history and the lessons learned, um, I mean, we can go across the books. I mean, from how Jews have been treated in this country, how the Japanese have been treated in this country. Um, there is no uh, there's no want for finding a victim or someone who ended up being on the wrong side of history as it pertains to the egregious acts of those who happen to be in a position of power. Um, so, you know, I'm, I, I just, I'm always like, guys, let's, let's have a moment of, of sobriety when we're talking about these things, because ultimately what we don't want to create is this idea that without this, you know, this retelling of American history and, and now this taking of money from the American government to make us whole, that we, we can't be successful. Because obviously the Jews have not felt the need to come out and say we need to be made whole. The Japanese are not saying we need to be made whole. So yeah. I don't understand why black people feel as though the injustice that was endured by our ancestors requires some form of payment. Yeah, I mean, the big issue in terms of the reallocation of money is if you're um, if you're taking money from the government the government's not paying right let's let's get this clear mm -hmm. because everybody when people say the government ought to and I I know I harp on this and I probably say this all the time but I've got to because people need to understand this Whenever we say the government ought to do something or the government, we need to get the government to do this, that, or the other, the government does not have its own resources. There's no money tree in the back? There's no money tree behind the Capitol building, the White House, or any of that, right? So you're talking about repairing a race with the contributions of other races who could argue they need repairing. Sure. Right? Sure. Because of all of the taxes paid in from the wealth uh, accumulated and created by the contribution of Jewish people, Japanese people, Asian people, Spanish people, Indian people, you name it. It's right? Across the board. Across the board. <clears throat> We're talking about something that is logistically 
impossible and then borders on being immoral because <laughs> you're not you're taking from someone else mm-hmm. yeah the government's not giving you something like they've got a pocket and oh yeah we'll we'll do that because that needs to be done right. no they're they're reallocating funds mm-hmm. that have come from the taxation of its citizens many of which are citizens who have a history that is rife with injustices and all kinds of things. And so if we start talking about, okay, everybody, the reparation line is here. Everybody that is due reparations line up. Okay. Everybody that's due reparations, once everybody lines up, who's left to, who's left to do the repairing? Yeah. Because when we look at the history of the human race, we do not see a history of prosperity and plenty. We see a history of tyranny and poverty. America is America because it is so wholly different. It has taken a path so wholly different than has been historically taken by all of the nations in the world. Now, let's just be honest about it. That is the crux of American exceptionalism, right? That this, this country is different, self-governing. We're going to experiment, as I say, with a self-governing society. We're going to be free. We're going to be a nation of laws and not of men. We're not going to be tyrannical. And, and, and we, had, we had slavery. It was awful. It was evil. But in the process of, of slavery hitting our shores, we fight this bloody war. 300,000 lives are lost, brother against brother, because we can't reconcile the practice of this thing with our ethics and with our creed. Sure. You, we, we have this exceptional nation. And now we want to we want to sit here and we want to talk about reparations. And there is no possible way. The complexity, the intricacy, the, <laughs> the gray area, as everybody likes to talk about, sure. is so gray. There is no way for you to not treat somebody wrong in trying to make somebody else right, especially mm-hmm. when talking about repairing those who may or may not have who, who the people who did the, the, the evil are dead. The people that are truly owed, many of them are dead. And here we are trying to say, well, you know, we were generationally put behind the eight ball sure. and disadvantaged when I guarantee you, I, I guarantee you, you can find somebody somewhere with a disadvantage more biting, deeper and much more closer to their present life sure. that is moved down the road. Sure. And that's where we've got to come to grips with the fact that, look, have we been abused? Have black people been marginalized and treated horribly? And yeah, absolutely. But we need to take a number and get in line because there are a whole lot of races of people who can say the exact same thing. So one of the things that ADOS wants to see happen is they want to have their own um, identification. Right. They say that, you know, just checking black is not explicit enough, right? Because you can be Bahamian, you can be Nigerian, um, and that's Indian. and that's not the same as being an American descendant of slavery. I, you know, my my concern is is chiefly this: that when I look at some of the things that they that that they ask for, um, you know, it just boils down to you you you've you've slept in the wrong bed. I mean, you've, you've chosen to partner over, black people in particular have chosen over, over decades to marry themselves to the Democratic Party and have found nothing but, but strife and poverty, um, cultural disadvantage, cultural decimation. Identity politics. Absolutely. That has, that has completely, I, I think, hampered our ability to do what our, what our foreparents did which was not ask for a handout. I mean, Frederick Douglass said, let us alone. And that what the man said? Now, this is a man that yeah. was in slavery. This, he was enslaved. He, you know, this is a man who couldn't read uh, for many years of his life, was, was told not to read, yeah. um, but understood the power of the pen as he, as he grew to mature and said, let us alone. Yeah. I mean, if, the, if that apple can't be fastened to the tree, let yeah. it fall. That's right. That's what the man said. That's and we've created a culture, I think, especially this idea of black culture, just why, like we have black church and black love. And oh, my gosh, it, it, it's part of why we're not moving forward. It's, it's partly why those Ivy League schools go out of their way to get those Bahamians, Nigerians, 
Because guess what? They don't come with all that cultural baggage. No. They don't walk in the door talking about what somebody owes them or, or, or why, they're, why, they're, um, why the issues surrounding their life are, are basically because of that ghetto that they were placed and forced to be in. It, it, mm-hmm. it's it's just systematic it's just not true yeah we we came from people who took nothing and made absolutely something out of it and I everything mean, and everything made out of everything it. <laughs> but but it wasn't because they asked the government for a handout it's because they understood who jesus was many of our heroes were christians frederick Douglass, harriet tubman yes uh, george washington carver we can go down the list yes these these were men and women who who had a relationship with the Lord. And somehow for us as black people, we've given that up for a relationship with BET, mm. right? For a relationship with the Democratic Party. And what has that afforded us? I mean, the the most we get, I mean, the the riches, the 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 affluence that we reach mm-hmm. generally is found in entertainment or sports. Mm-hmm. Right? When we talk about people who are who look like you and I, yeah. who've come into some amount of wealth, they've done it either by shaking their behind, I'm just being honest, or dribbling a basketball or catching yeah. one, catching a football. But we, we don't major in saying get an education, mm. right? Stay married. Yeah. Don't have kids until you're married. Yeah. Stay out of prison. Keep a job. Any yeah. job. Don't matter, but keep a job. Yeah. See, we don't major on those things anymore. We say, well, you got a little bit of talent. You know, you might try to sing. You, mm-hmm. you, you look like you, I mean, you know, you're kind of an athlete. You need to play ball. You make some money. Yeah. So we have disadvantaged our community. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that's what they're telling Nigerian children. No. <laughs> I don't, I don't, oh, no. I don't think that's in, in, in the Bahamas they're telling them, you know what, all that's you not, got to no, do. That's not what they're telling blacks of West Indian that, descent. That's, that's not what they're telling them. Not according to how economically they're just outstripping so many of us in America. That is correct. And not just black people. I'm talking about whites as well because there is a different emphasis, a different cultural emphasis. But don't you think, and I'm, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here, and uh, you just tell me what you think about it. And I pose this to the listening audience, too. This whole idea of differentiating yourself as American descendants of slaves. Okay, I'm black and I'm a descendant of slave, of, of, of slaves. And I'm a descendant of uh, the Jim Crow era and all that, that grew out of slavery, mm-hmm. even after its abolition. Right? The need to differentiate your blackness from generally just being a black person, right? It ain't enough, like you said. Don't you think that's coming from the fact that blacks from these different uh, ethnic groups who are here in America are starting to do so well that black people, (laughs) a lot of black people are trying to find that new leverage. Gotta have an alibi that new thing to kind of turn it back because blacks of West Indian descent are over here making incomes that are at the top. I mean, they're up there rivaling uh, the Japanese Mm -hmm. and Japanese families, the Asian community. Um, We've got now this whole, uh, this whole phenomenon everybody's looking at in Hollywood of a lot of black British actors and actresses coming over and they're in all types of films yes, they are. and and everybody's i mean and, we, and if if you only know them in their film you don't know they're british because their accents are so american mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know? so you see the interview until like, you see what? their interview and you're like whoa <laughs> i didn't, I didn't know, know. Right. i mean and for, i mean the list goes on and on yeah. I mean, in these Daniel they, Kaluuya, oh Cynthia Erivo, Chiwetel um, Ejiofor, yeah, Lupita. Uh, what's the young lady who was in the 007? Uh, she's really good. She was also in the, in the She was in the movie also. Yeah, yeah. I all I can remember is yeah. Naomi, but she's great. I mean, it just it 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 goes on and on and on and on. And they're getting a lot of roles in Hollywood. And now, when people find out they're British. People are like, mm. Mm. and there's a. I feel some kind of that, way about yeah, that. Yeah, there's a feeling of some kind, but it's kind of like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. So the success of blacks is starting to cause once again mm-hmm. a split amongst blacks, mm-hmm. and now this whole ADOS or ADOS or however you want, it, 
they come out and say, well, we're descendants of slaves. Once again, looking what in this culture for this power, this leverage to move politics and political power in one's favor. And here's the issue with that. When you go back historically, Thomas Sowell has done just landmark work on this in, in his writings on ethnic America and in, in other other particular writings and other books and publications he's had. But he talks about how amongst all people groups, not just specific to black people, but to whites as well and others, the groups that seek the power of politics and political power to have upward mobility are the groups that rise the slowest. Hmm. Right? Imagine that. Now, you, you sit back and you think about the explosion of Asian ingenuity, wealth, and their contribution to this country. Right. I mean, and they're starting to even be seen in Hollywood and make good movies, by the way. And and they're they're doing things and they they're they're out there and and we know we know their their role in technology and, and in the sciences and we we've always known that. But our universities are increasingly becoming more Asian. Mm-hmm. They seem to have a little to no interest in pursuing politics. Yeah, I mean, when was the last time you saw uh just an Asian uproar about the White House or getting into Congress or being a part of the Senate or being a part of the House or running for this or running for that. Not a lot except for that one guy that's running for the Democrat. Well, yeah, there's that, 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 that one gentleman. That, I know that one gentleman, yeah. yes. And he just he just showed up. But historically, they have put their efforts into education. Mm-hmm. They've put their efforts into wealth building. They have practiced a culture of restraint and not hyper-consumption. True. They have practiced practice a culture of of being domestically centered, yes. and that is to say strong as a family and a family unit. Mm-hmm. And they've gone about their business doing those things. And see, these are the things that cause groups to rise. Sure. Trying to knock on the door of your congressman all the time, I'm telling you, that is a waste of time. Well, they're going to tout out, they're going to bring out that carrot and say, yeah. hey, what else can I do for you? Just need you to be there on November whatever. That's and it. And make sure you cast that That's vote. That's it. That's <laughs> it. So- we need to divert away some of our attention as a people group to entrepreneurial, educational, family yeah. endeavors. And just stop waxing eloquent about your disadvantage. I mean, get over it. Everybody in their life has some type of the disadvantage. You could go out there today and get hit by a bus and lose the, the function of your legs. You'll be even more disadvantaged. But you can either choose to use that as a as a starting point that says, hey, I got new goals, I got a new new direction that I'm headed. Or you can sit there on the side of the road and talk about, you know, philosophize about all that the world has not given you. And and people are rising faster and 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 passing us by on the ladder of success because we're still down there trying to hold memoriam for stuff we never even went through. Mm. Move on. I'm yeah. serious. I mean, I, yes. move on. Because if if we do not, then then we are, we we silently we despise the legacy of those who've gone before us. I mean, really, we despise them. We treat them as though they are they are just in the way of our own progress. Because these are not men and women who sat back and said, "Let me give you a couple of other alibis that you can put in your pocket." That's not what they said. No, these were men and women who said. You can make something of yourself despite anything that happens to be in front of you. I mean, you look at somebody like Harriet Tubman, who was, what, five foot, maybe less than that. She might have been four something. I mean, this woman running back and forth, grabbing people. This is where we came from. These are are people who went into danger, ran into the fire and said, let me help my brother and sister out. See, nowadays, you know, us you know, us with first world problems. I mean, we'll sit there and we'll, we'll <laughs> and we take advantage. And we got to come to grips with that. Yeah, we'll take advantage of any black person you see. I mean, when they walk in the store, you look at them like, hello. <laughs> I mean, you get it all the time. Oh, well, yes. Welcome oh, to yeah. Ross. Well, you don't sound too excited <laughs> about me being at Ross. What's the deal? But we do that to each other, right? And then you're going to get on TV and act like, I love black people. I got love, got mad yeah. love. 
Yeah. I don't want to hear it. I'm over it. Okay. So <laughs> I got to get off my soapbox. We're going to segue. I want to, I want to talk about Dr. King because obviously we celebrated him and we celebrated his birthday and the national holiday. Um, and just, you know, one of the, we're going to share a video with you, come back and talk about it very quickly. Um, but the, this is why people like Dr. King matter. Um, we've been talking about division and, and mm. you and I have both said that, that the only way that this gets rectified and brought back together is if the church, Oh, hands down. If the church. If the church. And there, uh, there is no remedy for racism in the broader society. It has to begin with, it has to be fostered by, and it has to be carried out by the church. So this is a speech from Dr. King, and it's titled Paul's Letter to the American Christians. We're just going to play a snippet of it. We'll come back, and then we'll wrap up the show. Oh, America, that is quite disturbing, for that cannot exist within the true body of Christ. How did that thing ever get into being anyway? You have allowed segregation to come into the church, America. Oh, how tragic. When you stand up on Sunday morning to sing, In Christ there is no east or west, isn't it tragic that you stand in the most segregated hour of your Christian nation? They tell me there is more integration in sports arenas and nightclubs that is in the Christian church. Oh, how tragic that is. How appalling that is. They tell me that there are even Christians among you who try to justify segregation on the basis of the Bible. They try to argue that the Negro is inferior by nature because of Noah's curse upon the children of Ham. Oh, my friends, all America, this is blasphemy. This is against everything that the Christian religion stands for. This is against the will of the Almighty God. In America, I would urge you to get rid of that something called segregation. It is a dangerous evil. It is an evil which must be wiped over the face of the earth if man is ever to come to his full maturity. America, don't compromise with it. Don't play with it. Oh, I praise your Supreme Court for passing a great decision just a year or two ago. And I praise all men in your nation of goodwill who are willing to follow it. But they tell me you still have some brothers among you in Alabama, in Mississippi, in Georgia, in Louisiana, and Florida who would make their legislative halls ring loud with the words interposition and nullification. They have lost the true meaning of democracy and Christianity. And I would urge you to plead with your brothers with patience and understanding goodwill and tell them that this isn't the way. May I say just a word to those of you who are struggling against this evil. Let me say to you to always struggle against it with Christian methods and with Christian weapons. Never succumb to the temptation of becoming bitter. Never succumb to the temptation of indulging in hate campaigns, you must at all moments move with wise restraint and calm reasonableness. Keep pressing on, but press on with discipline and dignity and use only the weapon of love and let no man pull you so low as to hate him. Look at your oppressor hard enough to see in him something of God's image. Yes, it might be just a spark, but if you work on him long enough, it can develop into a leaping flame. And so I would say to those of you who are warring and struggling against your oppressor to use Christian methods and Christian weapons and let him know that as you struggle you are not attempting to defeat him, not attempting to humiliate him, not attempting to get rid of, uh, get rid of him or uh, to pay him back. But let him know that you are seeking to help him as well as yourself. Let him know that the festering sword of segregation debilitates the white man as well as the Negro. Let him know that as you seek to rid the earth of this evil of segregation, you are seeking to help him also. Give that message all over. So, you know, very plainly, Dr. King puts it in perspective for all of us, right, that, that the issue really is we are segregated on Sundays and Wednesday nights all across the country. 
Oh yeah. Uh, and we find no issue with that. We take no issue with that. Um, and, but but we can't require or request of the country that that they be unified. When as the church, as as Christ's body, you know, there's full, we're full of schisms. I mean, you know, the arm and the arm don't want to be want to be connected to the hand. I mean, no. just the body is just disjointed altogether. No doubt about it. And if we don't recognize that and take that on as a church, it will never be dealt with. It won't. It won't be. It'll never be dealt with. And, and Satan and, will continue to use it just as he's done. Oh gosh, and it, it will it will be the thing that 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 lasts when the last man is gone. Right. Mm -hmm. Because uh, we just refuse to deal with it in the church. And it's we refuse to be Christian. Yeah. And we've got so many different. I mean, we're, we're sitting around uh, instead of admitting these things, repenting of these things, changing our mind, changing our hearts. We're sitting up reinventing uh, ideas to stay separate. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, we're 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 twisting the Bible. We're teaching things backwards where we're we're walling ourselves off even the sure, more so sure. and um it's it's a disastrous thing because here we are in a position we have the biggest churches we've ever had i mean you there are churches that exist on every corner in some cities and in some places uh these churches are huge mega ministries and yet the amount of true inclusiveness with one another racially the amount of of cohesion and moving together as a unit is far behind how we've blossomed and developed in size and scope in terms of our ministry and it's time that we tackle this head on it's time that some uncomfortable conversations be be had it's time that we really deal with the elephant in the room and deal with the fact that uh there are people who still have problems with submitting certain aspects of their lives to someone who doesn't look like them. Mm -hmm. And uh, these things are serious business because Jesus said you would know us by our love. But yet that seems to be the things that that's the most scarce to find. Galatians 3 in verse 27 says, For as many of you has been, have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And that speaks to us finding a new identity in him alone. Mm -hmm. Not in my race, not in my socioeconomic status, not in my class, not even, not even necessarily my gender, but finding my identity in him. And when we do that, we find that all of these other divisive markers will disappear and and uh go away and we can actually be one unit come on and Lord. preach man hey man it's time i'm telling you it's time it's and it's time to take that serious mm -hmm. right but man we're so glad that you guys tuned in with us here on culture and convictions we're just getting started on this subject we're going to be talking about division and how divided we are in this country and really tackle this subject because it's time that we really address these things people always say we need to have an honest conversation about race we need to have an honest conversation about men and women we need to have an honest conversation about this and everybody keeps talking about how much we need an honest conversation while never having an honest conversation <laughs> so what we're going to do here on culture and convictions is we're going to break it down to you through our perspective and we're going to have an honest conversation and we're going to offer it to you. And so we're so glad that you're here. Let us know that you're listening by dropping a line, a comment, share this podcast with your friends, with your family. Let them know that we're here and we'll see you next time. And until then, God bless. <laughs>